Welcome to the Seminole Wars. In this podcast, we explore how the Seminole Wars came to be, how they were fought, and how they still resonate some two centuries later. I am your host, Patrick Swan, and our show is a production of the Seminole Wars Foundation, found online at www.seminolewars.us. We are recording today from the homestead of the Foundation in Bushnell, Florida. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome. A nagging legacy of the Seminole Wars has been the poor educational opportunities available to tribal members on and off the reservations. That's changing today. The Seminole Tribe of Florida has made it official. Its Center for Student Success and Services has renamed itself to more clearly show its intent. Hence, the tribe's CSSS is now simply the Education Department. More customer service oriented and data driven than previously, the department is striving to develop and maintain a trust relationship within the Seminole tribe community. This can be difficult to establish or maintain because seeking assistance or guidance from non-tribal members on the staff can be off-putting. More tribal members are being hired to staff the department and all of its members are having conversations with tribal members about educational opportunities through face-to-face engagements. This was difficult during the COVID-19 pandemic, but is now a high priority for the department as the tribe emerges. The education department serves about 900 students in K-12, 210 in higher education, 200 in tutoring programs, and about a dozen are currently under the Tribal Professional Development Umbrella, that's TPD. The department itself has about 50 staff members. Education's Quality Assurance Analyst, Tribal Member, and Black Seminole, Raleigh Gillian III, is overseeing its outreach for staff to meet and greet tribal families with information about programs and services the tribe makes available. Outreach, Gilliam states, is more than just handing out scholarship applications. Raleigh Gilliam III joins us this week to discuss how the department is managing its outreach, what programs are available to members, and what it means to him to be a black Seminole from Fort Pierce, Florida, within the Seminole Tribe of Florida, as he ensures quality in the programs used to educate all members of the tribe. Raleigh Gillian III, welcome to the Seminole Wars. Thank you. I'm just grateful for the opportunity to be able to share because everyone's not able. Raleigh, tell us about what you do. Currently, I'm operating out of Hollywood Reservation, where I do my work. I'm underneath the Education Department, and currently I'm in a quality assurance analyst role. How does that improve tribal procedures to the benefit of the tribe? In quality assurance, they usually do IT, HR-related things, which would be like software testing, debugging. But I do QA on a process improvement base. So we currently have programs in our education department. So we have a couple of programs within it. So what I do within my role, being a tribal member, being able to understand the tribal palette as to what my people may or may not like and be able to be a continuous and process improver for our managers and supervisors so we can keep the streamline going on services. So we provide services to our enrolled member and those who are affiliates of the tribe. It's not public have to assist our higher-ups and headship when it comes to the forward motion of the education department. So it could be from K-12, it could be from higher education, for those who want to go for VOTEC, tutoring, anything you could think of education-wise slash 
professional development. That's what we do. So I meet with the managers and supervisors and streamline those efficiencies to making sure that we are serving our tribal members, the enrolled Seminole tribes of Florida, and our wonderful descendants at the best rate that we can. That's what I do. I'm part of the administration team. Raleigh, what does TPD stand for? TPD stands for Tribal Professional Development. These are very important in time in which we want to grow as individuals or grow within our education or grow within our professionalism or just grow as people. These are very, very important because some tribes that I've heard of are other uh, natives from other bands or, or nations. It's not they're having a hard time as far as with having those readily available uh, resources for them. So it's an honor to be able to promote education to our tribal members so we can go a little bit further and attain more, not in the respect of being greedy, but to gain a better understanding of life and keeping it in the family and also not just keeping it in the family, but like sharing whatever we can with others. So that's very, very important because the last thing I would like anybody to be tribal member or not is a statistic of whatever their ethnic group is. And we want everyone to be, and we welcome tribal members to work with us. We want to retain talent as a whole, and that's just my department, but we have other departments as well that feel the same way. You've got an extensive library. Where does that come into play? We house a lot of those, the most general information you can have on natives in the Seminole Tribal Florida to the most specific stuff written by some of our own renowned tribal members. We have literature that is varied from all four corners of the earth. And also we have just up-to-date stuff too, the most recent DVDs, and we're going into the new wave things when it comes to technology as far as downloads and making things maybe paperless and just staying updated with what the world system is doing and also with what the libraries as a whole are doing. So we want to make sure and are making sure that we stay up-to-date as much as possible in all five of our programs. How does your background help you in what you're doing? At heart, I'm a social worker. I definitely love people. But the social work as it helps me with my outreach you know, as I do work. And I reach out to my tribal member, family members or affiliates, or those who just have an interest in knowing more about the organization. Just connecting. There's been a connect. One of my colleagues called me that a connector for people and putting things in place. So that's the social work aspect of things. And you know, as far as on the documentation as it pertains to caseloads and management and things of that nature. And then if you go into the criminal justice aspect of things, when it comes to just the mindset of criminology and, and investigation. And I'm actually a part of our court system too. So I'm able to understand more of our tribal law and tribal law at large and get more equipped of understanding what is it that tribal law is, how does it affect the Seminole Tribal Florida and its members, and also those who uh, come in contact with us so I could be well-educated and spoken on these types of things. Yeah, that's where the criminology and the social work kind of merge. And so then when you bring QA into it, it's just the perfect marriage because then the outreach is on point as well as the checks and balances, right, as it comes to criminology and criminal justice, walking in the honor system, ethics. And that's where a lot of those things in the center of social work and criminal justice is ethics right there in the middle. So that's where they meet. 
I don't have a criminal justice position, but I work with our courts. I volunteer and to give back to the community on that respect. Those same ethics and values, just making sure that, and it's not myself alone, you know, I just want to be clear on that. We definitely have a nice team of individuals assist to making sure that the law and things of that nature within our land are adhered to properly and overseen, as well as being productive and effective for our members. So yeah, so I do that on just an oversight with the committee, make sure that that standards and values and ethics are being attained. Raleigh, talk a little bit about respect and what it means to you or to Black Seminoles in general. There's a lack of, I would say, respect for a Black Seminole, whether they're an enrolled Seminole Tribal Florida member or whether they're actually part of a Black Seminole, Seminole Maroon, one of those beautiful bands. You know, I've been doing some work with Matt Griffin and others who definitely assisted me with some phenomenal material. I did a Black Seminole presentation, and that's still going to be revisited because things have been shaping up. Where does this lack of respect come from? I think the lack thereof notoriety respect comes from the simple fact of back in the day blacks were considered not even human that written doc and then also with the natives we were considered savages and i use this a lot so now in essence i'm a inhumane savage if i go by my dad's side who's native and my mom's side who's black that's where a lot of that disrespect comes from we have to build up the notoriety not just within ourselves as Seminoles and Black Seminoles and Maroons. We know this within house. It's for the others to understand. Just because I don't look like how you want me to look don't make me any less. And so that comes into a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of arena because there's a lot of struggle with the melanin, with the exterior. I told you I work for my tribe. And so when I do see those who do look like me, quote unquote, I build them up, man. I build them up. And us being recipients of the blessings in which our forefathers and foremothers have done, that's to be honored. And it's not anything to be ashamed or embarrassed about. Not saying that anyone is, but our respect, we're not chasing or demanding that. It'll be great to be acknowledged. How I was raised and trained, you hold water until that conversation comes up. <laughs> we're definitely not walking around and promoting that, but there are some identifiers in which, you know, a person may wear as far as like garb wise or something like that. And most are actually from my Afro brothers and sisters. I don't just look like a quote unquote black guy, or African-American guy, right? I have certain features that look like, hey, what do you mix with, right? Or what else is in you, quote unquote? But then those who aren't of the Afro descent, it's like, oh, you can't be, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's a shocker. It's like, well, you have you have native blood in you. You are native. And yeah, and it's really phenomenal. It's the element of surprise. Then when you start actually showing yourself educated. So I have to know my history. I have to know what's going on with my folks. I have to get this information from the mat in order to brush up a little bit more on my history as it relates to Black Seminoles, right? Because my true interest in Black Seminoles is very, very, very in its infancy. It's only been two or three years since I really started locking in. And once I identified that, I got excited and I started doing my research and I reached out to one of my colleagues here as it comes to just knowing the subculture and the sub-subcultures of things. I was able to get this great information in which I can relate to a John Horace or a Billy Bowlegs or someone else who is of that noble character. So then when I go back to when I meet someone and they find out or just through conversation, most are shocked because it's not the standard look. I don't present the standard look. And if you go by the picture, you always cut my hair low, low haircut, little mustache or whatever the case may be, little goatee. But past that, it's like, oh, you don't look how I thought you would look.
even when it comes to just being in my tribe, you know, I remember someone, one of my colleagues said, you all are like a, like a rainbow. That's the beauty of working where I work because you literally get to see everybody. I got some who look like you, Pat, but then when they see you and I in public, they'll say, wait, he, Patrick and them, they share the same blood. It's like, yeah, yeah, they share the same blood. Yeah, they're from the same tribe, possibly even the same clan, but you wouldn't know to put us together. That's the beauty in working for the community in which you serve. And you've been able to talk up Black Seminole heritage within the tribe at different occasions. I did the Black Seminole presentation for the staff here. It was definitely well received and it was appreciated because a lot of the minorities on the call really loved it. Wow, here's a piece of Raleigh. And I had one of my family members present with me too. And so we're coming from firsthand experience and not some assumptions, not some theories, not I feel, I think. I only speak in one thing that's in the know. And it's what I know. I can't speak on anything else, but I could give you what I know. And that's why I'm grateful for this call, because I can speak from my experience and give firsthand being a black Seminole. And you have a message for those who are black Seminoles like you are. One thing I would like to dig up and shout outs to the black Seminoles, the Afro-Indigenous, the Afro-Natives, where you may see to identify yourself. Shout out to y'all. We can continue to move this culture forward in spite of not looking like the standard. It's not our fault. We didn't ask for this, but now that we have it, meaning our identity and know where we come from and who we belong to, let's continue to support and encourage one another. And they know the struggles and some of the misunderstandings and miscommunications that comes with being a black Seminole. If you want to listen to this podcast, you know exactly what I'm speaking to. As I say, you understood, don't have to be said. And I'm definitely grateful for the Seminole tribe of Florida, my family, my bloodline, and my folks in which every single day, not only just black Seminoles, but those who don't look like me and still give an opportunity to those who do look like me as well. I'm grateful for them. And then we have to be able to pick up that baton and push the culture forward. And that's why I'm here being an example day in and day out, promoting education through five programs. TPD is our tribal professional development program, a higher ed program, our K-12 program, our library program, and our tutoring program. And I'm promoting education. Just want my peoples to be a lot better than what they are. Not saying that they're not already what they should be, but we could be better than where we are. Tell us about your ties to the Black Seminole community at Fort Pierce, Florida. I was born and raised in Fort Pierce. That's my hometown. I relocated as far as a career and just a, a greater professional opportunity. Fort Pierce is a reservation. And the distinction from my knowledge of natives is that there's actually Black Seminole bands. I'm a Seminole Tribe of Florida member who's African-American. I was not born on the reservation. The reservation actually was not built till I was 11 or 12. In opposition to that, I was just in the city. The town is very rural, very country, very small, very intimate. I just grew up Fort Pierce, the actual town, and then we got our reservation a little bit later. At that particular time, we were the last last city to have a reservation. I wasn't raised on the Fort Pierce reservation. So as I got a little bit older, that time I was already transitioning to South Florida. But all my Native family, they're, for the vast majority, not all, but majority of them are there. And going to the differences, just being in town, you have more shops, you have more availability, schools, things of that nature. But on the reservation, it will be, I would say, if you compare it to an apartment complex, something of that nature, where you just have 
specific in that specific area is for our tribal members who are in Fort Pierce. We still will have to leave the reservation just like if you have to leave a apartment complex to go and get your XYZ, but you will come back to the reservation because that's where you reside at. It's the same people, same Fort Pierce, same love. You can live in that part of town. Of course, you got surrounded areas for your family. Why do you think there is a Black Seminole Reservation at Fort Pierce? The reason I think that our reservation was made is because my tribe wanted to make sure that all heads were accounted for. And just like with anything, you know, progression uh, takes time. And certain reservations were already identified and or active. And so I'm not going to say a demand from the people, but the more you take certain trips to certain places, you're like, hold on, I could see something being built here for this particular people who belong to us. So with Fort Pierce, we do. We're not the biggest as far as reservations are concerned, but it was big enough for us to have our own. It was more or less like my people saying, hey, let's go ahead and cover all bases and make sure that all of our family members are covered and have their own reservation. So that's me speaking. And as I'm speaking, though, this is Raleigh Gibbon III. I'm not speaking on behalf of the Seminole Tribe of Florida. This is just my perspective and my theory on this. This is from my own personal experience. To me, that's what I would think the intent was to make sure that, hey, all hands and all heads are covered so the tribe can be identified in its respective location. Where is Fort Pierce on the Florida Peninsula? And what do you see when you get there? Are there some historical markers? Fort Pierce is on the Treasure Coast. We were definitely on the east side. Go to downtown Fort Pierce, you're going to be seeing a lot of those historical markers. My high school graduation and some of the gatherings I've had have been in downtown Fort Pierce. And that's where the majority of our historical site is. And then also, when you go into more of the urban area, we have a library there. It's the Norzil Person Library, who is one of the most notable African-American writers. When you go there, you're not going to see a big something that says, hey, Fort Pierce, you have arrived. But if you get off Fort Pierce exit with a turnpike 95, that's going to be where all our historical things remain. Once again, you got to keep it clear. I'm a Seminole Tribe of Florida member, but I have African-American blood. My dad is Seminole and my mom is African-American. So that's where my ancestry comes from my two beautiful parents who found love and created this phenomenal being shout out to my parents yep that's my identifier right there raleigh gillian the third thanks for joining us for the seminal wars thank you for your partnership you've been a big influence whether you know it or not as it relates to just the history of things bird clan affiliate y'all birds fly high If you enjoyed this show, please take a moment to like us on Facebook at Seminole Wars Foundation. Leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. Your reviews and comments help new listeners discover us and help us keep this show going. Visit our website at www.seminolewars.us for blogs, articles, news, books, events, membership information, and how to subscribe to this podcast. We'll be back soon with a new episode of the Seminole Wars Podcast. The Seminole Wars Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to preservation, education, and publication of Seminole Wars history throughout the state of Florida. This podcast is copyrighted. The Seminole Wars Foundation, 2022, all rights reserved. Front bumper music, The Devil's Garden, Roastem, provided by kind permission of Reedy Youngman. Back bumper music, Second Seminole Win, by Jed Merrim and Ricky Pittman, courtesy of Ricky Pittman, all rights reserved.